March 10th, day 8. Lust, accountability. Lust is the craving for salt of a man who is dying of thirst. Frederick Buechner. I was 17 years old, and our youth group had taken a trip. We had piled into the church's white 15-passenger van, its name sprawled down the side of it as a mobile billboard for Jesus, and traveled to Atlanta for that year's True Love Waits conference. Many of you may remember that movement. It was a ministry that sought to inspire teens and young adults to abstain from sexual intimacy until marriage. It was, and definitely still is, a needed and worthwhile message. It was a two-day event that filled the Georgia Dome with brilliant speakers and passionate worship. What struck me, though, wasn't what happened in the Georgia Dome. It was what was happening in the hallways and concourses and darkened corners of the Georgia Dome. Teenagers, devoted Christians from around the country, had come to vow their commitment to Jesus and to make a promise of purity to their Lord. But out in the unlit spaces of the Dome, another passion was taking hold. Short-lived romances lasting little longer than the steamy kisses shared. They weren't just ironic. They were surreal. Youth group guys and youth group girls from churches across America came to be inspired, but even there, Satan was on the prowl. And it would be an understatement to say that things haven't improved in the decades since. Oversexed and drowning in a sea of images and commercials and websites that cater to the basest craving of the flesh, we live in a world that has dumbed down and belittled intimacy, that defends its cheap sexual ethic with venomous rigor, objectifying women and men and the God who created them. But we do ourselves no favor by thinking of lust as something that simply happens in a darkened corner or bed. Jesus was clear. Lust is something that happens in our head. It's something that happens in our heart. Lust is that entanglement, that over-involvement of our flesh with our desires. It's that redirection of our intention away from the things that please God to the things that we think will please us. In short, it is idolatry running our bodies amok, expecting from others that which only God can provide. Love, joy, fulfillment, connection. It is intimacy robbed of its sacredness. And while most of the time we think of lust as something primal and sexual, because for many it is, lust is really any fixation or over-fascination with our desires, letting them chart the course of our lives. Some lust for power. Others lust for revenge. For others, it's wealth or security or adventure or fame. What God may plant in our lives as a healthy, Christ-honoring desire the enemy will water with ego and fertilize with pride until it grows to be the godless forbidden fruit of self-destruction. We can weed that garden, though. Simple awareness is the first step, realizing when and where we're in danger. But like any fight, there is strength in numbers. Find an accountability partner, not someone to whine to, not someone who will believe or enable our excuses, but someone we can trust to lovingly nudge us back in the right direction. It needs to be someone we can trust, of course. It needs to be a godly person we can really open up to. Someone with whom we really can have that gut-wrenchingly real conversation. Someone with the same values who wants the best for us and who expects the best from us. One who knows us well enough to point out the blind spots that we can't see or maybe don't want to see. It is nothing more than the lesson of the boogeyman. Just as the boogeyman grows bigger and scarier in the dark, so do our struggles. But everyone knows that the boogeyman hates the light. So bring him the light.
Talk about him. Talk about her. Talk about it. Whatever our struggles may be, no matter how lust has prowled, there is hope. In faith, in Christ, in the light, there always is.